I've just got a dry tickle. I was down the backyard yesterday and I was cutting down trees and playing with dust and wood and I still got a little bit of dust in there, so please, it's all good. <coughs> just joking, joking. But uh, it's a great act of faith even, I think, today to get out of your house, get in your car and come to a gathering. And so I just want to acknowledge um, that, you know, it sounds strange to say that. It takes faith just to meet together. It sounds strange in the West. If you go to other nations, we've lived in other nations and, and so on, and it takes a lot of guts and courage to go and gather with other believers because of the consequences of what could happen. Um, and, you know, this is nothing compared to that, but at the same time I do acknowledge that uh, it took faith for you to come here uh, this morning. So I hope and pray that you're here this morning with an expectation that God wants to speak to you. Uh, an expectation that you're not just fulfilling your Christian duty. Uh, if anybody's got a, a checklist in their car and the first thing you do when you get in there is you check the box that said went to church, uh, then I rebuke you. You're missing out what it's really about. It's not about ticking religious boxes. It's like getting out of bed in the morning and praying and then ticking up your checklist and ticking I prayed today and I read two chapters of my Bible, so I tick my checklist. If you're doing that, if that's what your internal understanding of a relationship with Jesus is about, you're missing the point. You're missing the big picture of what it's about. He wants a relationship with us, and like any relationships, we speak to each other. I talk to my wife. Occasionally my wife listens to me, and she speaks to me, and I'm always listening to her. Uh, we, we run things past each other. We, we experience and encounter each other. There's a, an encounter that takes place uh, with my wife and our relationship with God is, is very similar to that. It's a relationship. It's not a one-dimensional theoretical mental construct that makes us feel good and comfortable as we go through this dark and dirty world to just imagine that, that Casper the Friendly Ghost is there and he's watching over us. It's, there's more to it. Than that, Jesus didn't come to die on a cross so that we could uh, have a Casper the Friendly Ghost type of mentally uh, understood relationship with a figment of our imagination up there that we hope one day catches us when we fall off the edge of life. Uh, Jesus came to actually give us access, personal access, to the very creator of the universe, the one that said, let there be and there was. Think about that. The guy you talk to, the God that you talk to, is the same one that spoke those mountains into being. His lips said something, and these mountains appeared, and his same lips can say something to you, and your life can change. Your life can be transformed. Who's, who, who's with me on that one? God still speaks, and he still moves today. Um, if you've got a Bible there, go with me to Mark chapter 11. If you weren't here last week, uh, you would have missed the first part of this, but that's okay. We've still got our YouTube channel up and running, so you can go to Arise Online on YouTube and you can find our channel there, and, and we're going to keep that going because it's, it's meeting a, a bit of a need for people. There are people who genuinely cannot get back to meetings. Uh, there are people in places where they physically can't go to meetings, and so we're finding that since we've gone online that we're able to connect and bless some of those people. So we're going to continue uh, to do that. Big round of applause for Luke up the back too. The work that he does to make sure that that all happens is, uh, is pretty amazing. So uh, we're blessed, Luke. Thank you so much. We finish up here and we all go home at the end of our gathering, and Luke's here for about another 73 hours, isn't it? Editing and cutting and pasting and making sure that it all looks well and... And, uh, and then in between that, he has to squeeze his own job in. Um, but we're really blessed that you do that, Luke. Thank you. Mark chapter 11. Last week, we looked at uh, a passage of, of, of Scripture there that has a little title at the top, The Triumphal Entry. 
It's the story of when Jesus uh, was making his way to Jerusalem. And it says there that he approached two of his disciples. And he says to these two disciples, would you go to the village over there and you're going to find a donkey. And it's tied to a pole. I want you to untie the donkey. When you untie the donkey, you're going to get busted. Someone's going to say, what are you doing? And you're going to say to them, it's all sweet. Jesus wants it. And they're going to go, oh, okay, and let you have it. So in other words, you're going to go and steal someone else's donkey. You're going to get busted. And the best you're going to have to say is Jesus wants it, and they're just going to let you go. Now, when Jesus told them to go and to steal that donkey, um, I want you to understand something. Sometimes we read the people in the Bible as one-dimensional characters with no emotion. These were real human beings who were being asked by a real human being to go and do something that was actually really illegal and that, according to Exodus 22, could have had really bad consequences for them. I'm not going to get into it, but you go back and read Exodus 22 and you'll see what happens to people who get caught stealing somebody else's livestock. It's not pretty. It's not good. You can be beaten to death. And if it's done in broad daylight, your people who beat you to death get away with it. If it's nighttime and they beat you to death, there can be consequences. But in the daytime, it's sweet. It's fine. It's in the Bible. Don't believe me. Go and read it for yourself. So when Jesus says to these guys, go into the village and steal that donkey, they would have had feelings and thoughts and emotions about this request that Jesus was making to them. And so last week we began to look at uh, what I term characteristics of radical responders. I look at that story and I think that was a radical request from a radical God. I want you to go and do something that's outside the ordinary. It's going to have massive consequences. In fact, when you do this, what it's going to do is it's going to help me get into the city. So in essence, they were playing their role in taking Jesus into a city. That's what they were doing. And their little part was to go and steal this donkey. And so that's a radical request from a radical God. But what's more radical is that these two guys responded to that radical request and they did it. And I wonder sometimes whether God is still making radical requests... Or has he stopped making radical requests? (laughs) Or maybe the problem is not that God stopped making radical requests. Maybe the church no longer has radical responders in it. People who are that committed to God and that sold out to God that they would respond to those types of requests. Does God have to sanitize the things he asks us to do today? Because we've kind of sanitized our picture of God. And we've sanitized what faith looks like. If God was to come into this room and make a radical request, would he have... Radical responders. Sometimes I was just saying to the the, the earlier service, sometimes I feel like in my church life right now, when I look at the world, 2020, Western church, sometimes I feel like we're watching the end credits of a movie. Anyone ever, ever, you know what I mean? The end credits of a movie, they're still part of the movie, but they're boring. They're still part of the movie, they're necessary, but there's no action in the credits. There's no drama in the credits. There's nothing to do in the credits. But just sit there and watch, and the credits remind me that the movie's over. And sometimes I look at the church, and I feel like we're living in the credits. God, is this the end of the movie? Is there no more action to be had by the church? Are there no more things to be done? Because it's all ceased. Are there there no more requests? Is there nothing left on the movie reel? Is it just over? If that's the case, God, I really wish that I was born at the beginning of the movie because the movie had action in it. The movie had adventure in it. 
The movie had challenge. The movie had motion. It had life. The credits are kind of almost depressing. It's finished. It's over. And I wonder sometimes whether this stage of life that we live in in the church, do we feel like we're living in the credits? That the best of what God has to offer is over. The best activities of God are finished. The best words that God had for people are gone. The best calls, the best achievements, the greatest things that God wanted to do on planet, he's done the majority of the best and toughest and hardest and most exciting stuff. And now he's just kind of winding it down, it's all over. I don't think that's the case. I wonder whether there's no more radical requests left or whether God's sitting up there going, I've got plenty of radical requests, but I'm looking down going, where are my radical responders? Where are the people of faith that will step out and do the things I'm asking them to do? Whether it be stuff that will help them grow, whether it will be stuff that will advance the kingdom, whether it will be stuff that will see other people come to faith, whether it will be stuff that will will clothe the naked, whether it's stuff that will feed the hungry. Where are the radical responders in today's church world? And I hope and pray over these last week and next couple of weeks, my goal is to kind of shake a little bit because I'm being shaken. I'm preaching to you, but I'm preaching to me. Am I a radical responder? Would God come down and throw a radical request at me with my life? Or would he not waste his time? Because he knows I wouldn't respond. He knows I wouldn't do anything with it. Are you a radical responder? Last week we looked at the first characteristics of radical responders, that they're followers, not just believers. And I don't want to go over that again. You can, if you missed it, jump on the YouTube channel. But radical responders, the first characteristic is they're followers, not just believers. We don't just believe stuff, we're following. He's taking us somewhere, we're going. Today I want to look at the second characteristic of radical responders, and it's this. They're moved forward by faith, not held back by feelings. Radical responders are people who move forward by faith. They're not being held back by feelings. Anyone ever (laughs) seen that little person walking that really big dog? Anyone ever seen that? You know, we've all been out and we've seen that person. They're about that big and they've got a dog the size of a horse and they've got it on the lead and they walk. Maybe someone in this room, maybe you've been that little person walking that big dog. And, and what happens is they're walking and you turn to your, someone with you and you think you're the only person in the world that's ever said this funny joke. Everybody said it, but you say it as if it's unique and original. Hey, I wonder who's walking who? Is she walking the dog or is the dog walking her? Who else has said that? Is she walking? Who's leading who? Who's leading who? And, and radical responders are people that are led by faith, not held back by feelings. You see, I believe this. We're all being led by something. We're all being led by something. We're being led by faith in God, or we're going to be held back by our feelings from God. We're going to be led by faith into the future God has for us or held back by our feelings about that from the future God has for us. We're going to be taken forward to become the people God wants us to be by faith in God or we're going to be held back from becoming the person God wants us to be because of how we feel. Perhaps about the things that need to be done, the challenges we need to face, the steps we need to take. All of us are being led by something and it's primarily by faith or it's going to be by feelings when it comes to God. Anyone seen that ad on TV at the moment? There's a Toyota ad. Still feeling it? Anyone seen that ad? 
Yep, and they're driving along in the car, and he's just bought a Toyota, and there's all different types of ads, and one with the breeze blowing, and, and he turns over his shoulder and goes, still feeling it? There's two guys in an elevator. You've seen that one? They're in the elevator, and the elevator's stuck, and they're getting hot and sweaty, and a guy turns to his mate and goes, still feeling it? He goes, still feeling it? I'm still feeling it. I'm still feeling it. My question is this, what happens when you're not feeling it anymore? What happens to the Toyota driver when he's no longer feeling it? I haven't seen that ad come out yet. I'm waiting for it. Still feeling it? No. Might go and buy a Ford. That's what happens when you're not feeling it anymore, isn't it? You change. You've got to upgrade. When you're not feeling a Toyota, get a Ford. Isn't that how so many people live their life, being led by their feelings? What happens if you're not feeling your partner anymore? Maybe we go and get another one. Why? I'm not feeling it. What about your job? I just don't like my job anymore. What? I'm not feeling it. When I started there, I was feeling it. It was great. Now I'm just not feeling it. So I'll just go and flick my employment maybe and find another job. What about church? What happens when you stop feeling it at church? I'm committed here and I came and it was great and it was exciting and now I'm just not feeling it. So we just flick church and we'll go to another church until we're feeling it. Well, who's leading us? Is it faith or feelings? We'll just keep moving around till we feel it. And when we don't feel it, well, we just move until we feel it again. And we reinforce that behavior that says feelings are my God. Feelings are the things that will take me and feelings are the things that I'll listen to and feelings are the things that lead me. No longer faith is leading me, now it's feelings. What happens when we're not feeling like prayer anymore? I'm just not feeling it. I mean, I used to love to pray, but I'm just not feeling it anymore. So I just stopped praying. What about time in the Bible? I used to love getting into the Word of God and, and, and being, but I'm just not feeling it now. It's not feeling it. I'm feeling Robert Ludlum's latest crime novel or action. I'm, I love, I'm feeling that. So I'm going to read that because I'm feeling that. Man, I'm feeling it. I'm just not feeling this. I'm just not feeling it. What happens when we're not feeling it? What happens when we're not feeling God? Just not feeling God anymore. Maybe he's not there. Maybe he doesn't care. I'm just not feeling it. So I'll just ditch my faith and I'll just go about my life and do my own thing because I'm just not feeling it anymore. Radical responders are moved forward by faith. They're not held back by feelings. How do you think those two disciples would have felt when Jesus said to them, I want you to go and steal another man's donkey knowing the consequences are you could be beat to death. I reckon they would have had feelings about that. I reckon every time God comes to a person in the word of God and asks something of them, I reckon they had feelings about that request. And they were confronted in a moment with what do I do? Do I move forward in faith at what God has requested and asked me to do? Or do I allow my feelings to hold me back from that which I know God's asking me to do? Am I moving forward by faith or being held back by feelings? When God comes to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, and God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Thanks for the tip, Jesus. Uh, God, you know, Moses is dead. Two million people are yours, and you're going to lead them into the promised land. Three times in four verses, God says this to Joshua, but be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. You know what's going on in that moment? God is saying to Joshua, here's what I have for you. You're going to lead these people into the promised land. There's the word of God. There's the faith ticket. I've got something for you to do. Here's what I want you to do. But God straight away recognizes, now here's the battle for you, Joshua. Are you going to go forward in faith with what I've told you is going to happen? Or are you going to allow those feelings of fear 
to hold you back. So God speaks to that straight away. Be strong and of good courage. I'm saying that to you, Joshua, because I know the minute I said to you, you're going to lead these people, I know what was going on inside. You had feelings about that. And there's nothing wrong with the feelings. Nothing wrong with having the feels. Isn't that the trendy word they call now, the feels? Nothing wrong with the feels. The feels are okay. They're like a temperature gauge, a thermometer. They're communicating something to you, but you can't live your life by the feels. You'll get in trouble. If my parents said I could have a tattoo when I was four, I would have felt like Mickey Mouse. And then when I turned 18 and I could legally do it, I'd look at that and then I'd feel embarrassed. I'd feel like removing my arm because I don't want Mickey Mouse. My feelings change. They come, they go, they go up and down. I go to a camp, a conference, I feel like this. And then I come home and when I walk in the door, my wife says to me, have you done the gardening or taken the rubbish out? And my feels drop a little bit and I go, okay, it's okay, but I'm still feeling it. And then the kids start fighting over a chocolate bar and it drops a bit and I go, but I'm still feeling it. Now I go to put my slippers on and the dog ate my slippers and it's, oh, I'm just still feeling it, but it's dropping. And then I realise it wasn't my dog because I don't have a dog, so someone else's dog's been in my cupboard and it drops even more. I'm feeling it. And then I get in my car and I drive down the street and it conks out because it ran out of fuel because my wife took it for a drive and forgot to top it up. My feels are dropping, my feels are dropping. Before you know it, at the end of a week, I ain't got any feels left. The feels are gone. What happens when the feels are gone? We can't live our life by feelings. If we want to listen to our feelings and, and let our feelings be the guide, here's the reality. You will never do everything God wants you to do. And you will never be the person God wants you to be. Because God comes with some radical requests. And we have feelings about those radical requests. And God knows that we have those feelings. And God speaks into that. And he says, there's nothing wrong with the feelings. I know you feel afraid. I know you're scared. I know you feel insecure. I know that you're, you, you, there's fear in your heart about this step. I know you feel uncertain. I know all those things. But I'm asking you, what are you going to be led by? Are you going to go forward with me in faith? Or you're going to allow your feelings to hold you back. It's your choice. There's no anointing for obedience. Anyone ever notice that? There's no anointing for obedience. There's no conference you can go to. Nobody can slap hands on you. There's no verse you can read, no prayer you can pray that will make you automatically obedient to the promptings and leadings of God. It won't happen. Comes back to a simple thing. Choice. It's a choice. And there are always feelings when we make a choice, aren't there? Some feelings push us towards the choice. Some feelings pull us away from a choice. And it's no different with God. It's amazing. Jesus said on several occasions to people when he was, when, when, when he was speaking to them, he made this phrase, tell me if you've heard it before, according to your faith, let it be done. Isn't it amazing? He never once said, according to your faith, let you feel it. According to your faith, let it be felt. Because the outcome of faith was not focused on feelings. It was about outcomes. God would speak, they would do something, and there would be an outcome. The outcome would produce a feeling. God didn't come and give them a feeling that produced an outcome. Because yours and my feelings sometimes produce very bad outcomes. Who's ever been in that boat? 
Your feelings have led you down a bad path. You've made bad decisions, dumb choices. You've gone in wrong directions, but it felt right. It felt good. See, feelings are not bad, but feelings were never meant to be the thing that leads us. We're meant to be led forward by faith in God, what, he's had to, what he says to us through this word, but also what the Holy Spirit speaks to you on the inside about your life. We're led forward by faith, or are we being held back by feelings? You know, there are some stories in the Bible of people that got it the wrong way around. Instead of being led forward by faith, they were held back by their feelings. Ever heard of a guy called David and a woman called Bathsheba? Ever read that story? Here's David. At a time when kings go forth to battle, first mistake. The kings were out of battle at that time. He should be out there fighting. That's what the kings do this time of year. And if I'm not mistaken, David, you're a king. And if I'm not mistaken, it's actually recorded there very plainly at the time when kings <laughs> go forth to battle. David's on the roof of his palace, living the good life. Looks across at that woman. Winks. I know. <laughs> She's beautiful. What can I say? David looks across, and what does he do in that moment? There's his next step. Do you think he's being led by his faith in God or being led by his feelings? Gets him in all sorts of trouble. Not only did it get him in trouble then, but we all know about it for the rest of eternity. God didn't cover that one up. Sometimes he doesn't cover them up. You ever heard about a man called Samson, a woman called Delilah? Similar story. Do you think Samson was being led by his faith in God? Or do you think his feelings might have got the better of him at times? Next thing you know, he's, he's having a haircut. <laughs> Game over. Bloop. Turn the machine off. Turn the machine off. What about Saul, King Saul? Remember? He was the guy that was king before David. And, and he's anointed king and so on. And there's this situation where, where Samuel the prophet says to him, wait till I get there, I'm going to do a sacrifice when I get there. And Samuel's running a little bit late, according to Saul's clock anyway. Not according to God's or Samuel's, but according to Saul's time clock. And so the Bible actually says that Saul looked around and he saw that his men were freaking out and, and wanting to run. He saw the Philistines or the other army were getting excited and wanting to come and charge at him. And he looks at all these things and he realizes that, oh, gee, I better do something. And his feelings get the better of him. And what does he do? He, he does a sacrifice. That's where we get that great saying, to obey is better than sacrifice. He does the sacrifice. Samuel turns up and says, what have you done? I'm the one that does that sacrifice. You weren't asked to do that. I was. You weren't. You were told to wait. Faith in God says wait, but his feelings said, no, take matters into your own hands and do something. And so what did he do? He allowed his feelings to take charge. He was led by his feelings. And what did it do? It, it took away the future that God had. That's a choice. And every one of us face those choices every single day. Are we moving forward by faith or are we being held back by our emotions? The choice is ours. Have you ever been paralyzed by a feeling that stopped you from doing something that you really wanted to do? I have. I, you know, I came in here this morning and, and, and anyone see that big hot air balloon in the sky this morning? Anyone see it? It was the most beautiful thing in the world. I, I'm out here, I walked out the front there and I looked over there, not a cloud in the sky, mountains in the background, and this huge big hot air balloon is floating above the sky. You want to see it? It was fantastic. And it was just so peaceful, not a cloud. I looked up at that thing and I saw this beautiful big uh, hot air balloon just suspended beautifully like a painting, sun reflecting off the big blue and red canvas on it. And I thought, man, I would, I would love to go up in a hot air balloon. And as soon as I said that, I had some feelings. 
And then all of a sudden I looked at it and all I saw was like a little party balloon with a basket under it. And I'm thinking, how's that staying up there? And then I saw birds dive bombing and attacking the rubber on the balloon and the balloon popping and the basket going like a balloon when you let it go. And it was amazing how all of a sudden that desire I had to go up in a hot air balloon just disappeared like that because I started listening to my feelings. (laughs) And all of a sudden I got scared and fearful and nervous and paralysed. And there's no way on planet Earth I'm going up in one of those stupid things now. But three hours ago, I would have paid money on the spot if he had come above me and said, I'm there. But I allowed the thought time to settle and my feelings got engaged about how I felt about it and there's no way on planet Earth that I'm going to go up in a hot air balloon. It's just not going to happen. Just not going to happen. Here's a thought for you. Let me ask you this question. Tell me if you agree. Doing what God tells you to do is not hard unless you're focused on how it feels. Doing what God tells you to do is not hard. Making a choice is not hard. Unless we focus on how we feel about the choice we have to make, then it becomes really hard. I know what I need to do in that situation. I know what I need to do. But now, when I think about what I need to do and my emotions get involved, the feelings about that, now I'm insecure, now I'm scared, now I'm afraid. And you know what? Let me tell you this. It's okay to have all those feelings about it. But again, are you going to go forward in faith or are you going to allow feelings to hold you back? What's your choice? What's your choice? Doing what God says to do is not hard unless you're focused on how it feels. I was talking to a, uh, I was talking to a young man this week, and uh, he was telling me, he was telling me that he felt unworthy. He was sharing with me the story of what it was like to walk into a church, and he'd only recently given his life to the Lord. And he said this statement to me: "He said I feel unworthy. That's why I don't go to church. So I walk in amongst all these great people, and he said I feel unworthy." when I'm amongst all these wonderful, wonderful people. And I said, well, if you knew those wonderful people the way I know them, you'd know that. (laughs) I didn't say that. What I said to him was this. I said, you know what? You're not worthy because of how you feel. You see, if you're going to continue to be led by how you feel, that's going to hold you back from being the person God wants you to be and doing the things God wants you to do. What's it doing for him? It's keeping him isolated from the rest of the body of Christ because he doesn't feel worthy. It's keeping him at arm's length from God because he doesn't feel worthy worthy now he can be led by his feelings and they'll hold him back or he can move forward with faith so here's what the bible says to a man like that here's what it says to that young man 2 corinthians five twenty one says this for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god so i understand that you feel unworthy i understand that you feel unworthy right but here's what god says god says you're the righteousness of christ in God, uh, of God in Christ. So God says you're righteous. You don't feel like you're righteous. You've got a choice to make. You're going to move forward in faith and grab a hold of what God says about you and just live it and believe it and allow it to take you forward into the place God wants you to go. Allow it to conform you into the person God wants you to be. Or you're going to listen to how you feel about it and you're going to forever be held back from becoming who God wants you to be and doing the things that God wants you to do. Are you going to be led by how you feel or are you going to 
be led by faith. You're being led by something as we speak. That situation in your world, that situation in your life, that space that God's speaking to, you're being led by something. You're being led by faith, which is taking you forward, or you're being led by feelings, which is holding you back. There's no anointing to change that. It's changed by a choice. That choice is going to have feelings attached to it. What are you going to allow those feelings to do? Will those feelings push you towards faith, or are you going to allow those feelings to pull you back from it? It's a vicious, vicious cycle that a lot of people get caught up in. Here's the reality. Following my feelings will lead to the life I think is best for me. Following faith will lead me to the life God knows is best for me. Following my feelings will lead me to the life that I think is best for me. Following faith will lead me to the life that God knows is best for me. I wonder in your own life right now, if you can think of a situation, a circumstance, something that's going on, and you know what God is saying to you about it. You know. You, you, you don't need anybody to come and give you a word from God. You, you know. You know uh, that the Bible says about forgiveness. You know what it says about short accounts. You know what it says about being generous. You know what it says about caring for people. You know what God's saying to you personally about the direction you should take in that venture or, or that, that decision that you need to make. You know what God is saying. What I want to ask you this morning is what are you going to do with that information? What are you going to do with that? Jesus stands there and he says, go and steal a donkey. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to move forward in faith and trust God? Or are you going to allow how you feel about that to hold you back? Either way, today you're being led by something. You're being led by faith or you're being led by feelings. Nothing wrong with feelings. Feelings have a place. Watchman Nee. Anyone ever heard of a guy called Watchman Nee? Chinese writer. He's brilliant. He's dead now. Writes really, really deep stuff. You read about two sentences a night. You get a headache. You put it down. You wrestle with it for the next 48 hours. Then you read the next three sentences. Get a headache. Put it down. Wrestle with it. Just really deep stuff. But he gave this beautiful illustration of faith, feelings, and fact. And I've shared it before, but I want to finish with it again. Here's how he describes it. He says, I want you to imagine that faith, fact, and feelings are taking a walk on a wall. And he says, here's the thing. You've got fact in front. And fact is what God says. That's fact. Okay? I know it's not popular to say that these days, but according to us as Christians, what God says is fact. Amen? He says fact is out front. Faith is just behind fact, and feelings is behind faith. And he says here's what happens for most Christians. He said as long as faith keeps its eyes on fact, they can walk together. And feelings will follow. They mightn't be there straight away, but feelings will follow. He said the mistake most Christians make is that we turn around and we focus on feelings. And he said if we're looking over at feelings and not faced on fact, he said eventually you'll fall off the fence. I thought what a beautiful illustration. Let me ask you a question this morning. Your faith's here. You've got fact over here. Everything God's saying to you, you've got feelings over here. Which one's leading you? Which one's leading you? Radical responders are led by faith in God. They're led by faith in God, not by their own feelings. And I think we need to be people, if ever there's been a time, that the world needs people that are going to follow God. It's now. Because we are slowly having our faith and our belief sanitized and watered down and watered down and watered down until we just become the peaceful 
non-boat rocking, and I'm not agitating for boat rocking, but I'm just saying this, that we are no longer leading the world in politics. We're no longer leading the world in art, education, science. We're no longer, the church is no longer the ones coming up with the new ideas, the new inventions. We're no longer building the biggest, building the best. And I wonder whether that's because God said, you're living in the time of the credits and I've got nothing else to do, or is it that God's looking down going, I just can't find people anymore that are willing to step out in faith and risk it. My kids have this saying, they say, risk it for the biscuit. Ever heard that? It's the dumbest saying on planet Earth. I hate it, but it just seemed to roll off the tongue really nicely then. Does the church have people who are prepared to risk it for the biscuit? I wonder whether that's you and that's me. I hope it is. Let me pray for us. Father, I want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you for the example of these two uh, radical responders. I want to thank you for the example of these two disciples, God, who took you at your word and who went after what you uh, asked them to do, God, even though I'm sure that they had feelings about it. uh, But God, they had the faith to trust you and to not bow to their feelings. And I'll bet you the feelings changed, Lord, when they got there and they saw, guess what? It's exactly as Jesus said. I'll bet you their faith, their feelings came into alignment when that man busted them and said, what are you doing? And they said, Jesus needs it. And that man said, no worries, take it. I'll bet you their feelings came into alignment with their faith. And God, I pray for each of us in this place that we would be like that, God, that we would have faith in God, that we would walk in the footsteps that you want us to walk in. We would, God, in, in, in terms of reaching the world, that we would have the faith to believe for the things that you want to do through us but even in our own personal world we would have the faith to say sorry if that's what you want god we would have the faith to extend forgiveness god we would have faith to open up about that struggle or that issue god we would have faith to to talk to somebody we would have faith to ask for prayer we would have faith in all those things so that we can become the people that you want us to become one faith step by another faith step by another faith step father i pray for each of us in this room that that would be our testimony father and i ask this in jesus name and everybody said amen Amen. Oh, thank you, Daniel. That was, you're too kind. You're too kind, Daniel. Bless you guys. Hey, look, um, we're going to hang around. We've got some tea and coffee. I'm going to get Daniel up on the guitar. Some people like to hang around, we've noticed, the last few weeks and just sit with God and, 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 and maybe read or pray or whatever. So Daniel's going to jump up on the guitar. The rest of us, uh, we're going to make our way through those double doors. We've got some tea, some coffee on the other side there. Um, and again, thank you for coming along this morning. I know that the experience is very different than what we've been used to for the last X amount of years that arise. But let's not drop our faith. Let's not drop our expectation. God's still good. He's still in control. He's not, he's not off his throne. God's not sitting in heaven having a board meeting right now going, well, I wonder what we should do now going forward because we've got social distancing and it's, how do we work this one out? God knows. He's still the same yesterday, today and forever. Hey? Yep. Amen. Two people believe it. That's awesome. Excellent. We're getting better. Last week it was one. Bless you guys.